I'm Gene. I used to be the superintendent of the Forest Lakes District, and I'll reflect a little bit back in terms of some of the history with you folks way back when. Uh, now I'm retired, live in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, part of uh, Woodlands Church up there. Uh, our pastor has announced that he re- uh, will be retiring in about uh, next May, a year from now. And uh, so we're in that same kind of process you are. Uh, my daughter and son-in-law happen to be the uh, co-leaders of the search committee. And I'm the... Uh, co-leader, one of the co-leaders of a prayer effort uh, through all of that. So uh, we Swanstroms are all over that movement. And uh, so we can connect with where you folks are today. Um, There's a book, uh, Breaking Down Walls. And in there is a story of uh, Raleigh Washington. You may be familiar with that name for various reasons. As I go through the story here a little bit, uh, maybe you'll connect with that. But um, Raleigh uh, grew up in the ghettos of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And was on a, he was an excellent baseball player, I understand. And uh, something happened. Oh, he wound up in the military. Given his leadership skills, he advanced very quickly in the ranks, and in doing so, he uh, had a position where it required um, him having to make some very uh, difficult personnel decisions, and um, many of those people that were affected by his decisions uh, formed this uh, plot against him, and they accused him of certain things. Initially, the army said there was nothing there, but uh, they persisted, and the army finally came to Raleigh and said, "Um, we've got these charges against you, and we're going to pursue them. And you know, when we do, we don't lose these things. We will win. So we're going to give you a choice. You can resign your commission, leave the military, or Stay in, and we're going to pursue this, and uh, you'll be convicted. So Raleigh and his wife Paulette had become believers and prayed about it, and they thought uh, the better thing to do was to resign their commission, leave, which they did. He was one day short of 20 years, forfeiting all of those benefits, et cetera, et cetera. But he was convinced that's what God had for them. Sometimes life serves up that kind of stuff. And we've had the last couple of years where it almost seems like we're in a maze, doesn't it? And how do you get out of this maze? What do you do when you're in the middle of it? One of my heroes in the Bible is uh, Caleb, Joshua 14. I would invite you to turn there in your Bibles, because there we read uh, his story. It's almost like it was Caleb here this morning standing before you, and he says, let me tell you some of my story. And he does that. He unfolds it here in uh, Joshua 14, beginning with verse 6. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. 
I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. There's that word again. So then, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive the 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there, and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out, just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, how? Wholeheartedly. Three times, it says, here's Caleb, these various points in his life, all that he was going through, he's following God wholeheartedly. Uh, Wholeheartedly, that's the same word that's used for when they burned the uh, sacraments, you know, and uh, they wanted it to be fully burned up. Um, completely. It's like the burnt offerings. Now, in verse 7, if you noticed it there, he's, he's, he's reflecting back, uh, which we'll talk about in a moment here a little bit more, but he talks about what his convictions were that were driving him at these various points of his life, especially when uh, they'd gone in to uh, search, search out the land, the promised land, spy it out. And he says, I brought back a report against, uh, according to my convictions. So that kind of, you know, digs at me and I said, well, what were his convictions? What were his convictions that led him to keep following God fully and wholeheartedly at these various points and stages in his life. That's kind of my burden. Lord, help me to follow you fully. What what does that look like? And so he shares his story with us. And I would submit that it's not what he was about totally himself, but who he saw God to be. And... um, what God's qualities were that Caleb would embrace and believe and act on that allowed him God to follow God continually and, and fully, wholeheartedly. 
So we dig into the story here, and Caleb shares with us, well, hey, remember, I was one of those 12 spies that went into the promised land, and if you know your Bibles, you know what happened. <laughs> they came back, the 12, uh, the 12 of them, and he says, I brought a report according to my convictions, but my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. Ten of the spies, you know, said, well, yeah, it's a great land, but uh, we're not going to be able to take it. The people are so big and the fortified cities and we look so small and oh, my goodness. Caleb came back and what did he say? Along with Joshua, hey, we can do it. So what was his conviction? That drove him, that led him get to that point. What was what did he believe about God that allowed him to have that kind of let's go for it and do it? Well, I think in this passage here we have some hints at that. He says, you know, earlier it said, the Lord said something. And uh, then Later on, it it says um, that he said, like verse 10, 11, um, several times. You see, he he believed God made promises. He communicated with his people. And when God said something and promised something, Uh, You should believe it, because God's word is always true. (laughs) And all Caleb chose to do was believe it, because God said it, because that's God's character. He's elsewhere in the scripture. God is the God of truth. He can't lie. Jesus said, thy word is truth. Said these other men elsewhere in the scripture, Psalm 106, they did not believe God's promises. Caleb did. So, this first conviction God's true to his word, therefore, I should believe everything he says. Now, that's so countercultural today. 2022 America, you just, you know, you believe whatever you want, whatever you feel. If you feel it, then that makes it right, and you do it. You act accordingly because you got to be true to yourself and your feelings. And I've got my truth, and you've got your truth, and don't you try to put your truth on me and judge me. We shouldn't be surprised at that because you go all the way back to the garden and that's exactly what Satan did to Eve and said, did God really say? Did God really say that? And we know how that turned out. So what about you and me today? Do we... Say, yes, Lord, uh, 
It's your word. And I'm, I'm, it, when the hard stuff is there, I'm going to still believe it and obey it. Or well, I know the Bible says that, but I, it's different for me. I can't, you know. I. It's God's word. He says it. I need to embrace it if I'm going to follow him fully. Will you believe his promises? You know, the greatest thing he says in the word uh, talks about Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, who whoever believes in him should not perish, have everlasting life. That's the greatest truth. I need to come to him in faith and trust him for my salvation. And then believe his word. That's Caleb's testimony, so that's all I chose to do. I came across this little prayer. Maybe this might express uh, the desires of your heart. Lord, help me to listen to what you say and believe it. May your word provide the parameters I need to live a life worthy of being called a Christian. So, Caleb's true. Uh, he's, he's following God. Now you would expect things ought to be just great the rest of his life from a human perspective. <clears throat> hey, he believed God. But uh, verse uh, 10, it says, uh, it's a phrase, while Israel moved about in the desert. <laughs> Boy, there's a lot in that phrase, isn't there? <laughs> because those ten spies uh, uh, carried the day with those God's people, they got in all of an uproar, and uh, they wanted to get rid of Moses and go back to Egypt, etc., and God comes and judges them. And they have to wander for 40 years in a wilderness. And a whole generation is going to die because of their disobedience and not believing God's word and acting on it. 40 years of wandering, and, and there's Caleb is in the middle of that. So every day it's, you know, it's more dust and sand and uh, wandering. It's manna for 40 years, manna. Uh, one of the contemporary worship guys, Keith Green, has a song, I understand, about this, where he says, well, how many different ways can you really make manna to make it palatable for all those years? Well, you could have manna burgers or barbecue manna or banana bread 
And of course, you'd have manna bagels. 40 years. And it's daily people dying. Caleb is watching people die. Some of them may have been his relatives. And this is a month and a year and two years and five years and 10 years. We've had two years of, yeah, seems like forever. Talk about being in a maze. Here's this wilderness experience of Caleb. And yet it says he's following God wholeheartedly for all those years. And I, I kind of wonder, well, what were his convictions then in the middle of that? You know, um, what did it look like for him? What was he hanging on to? <clears throat> I... I don't think he woke up every morning and started singing, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Woo, I get another day of desert and manna and watching some of those people die. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Well, I don't know exactly, but I kind of think He'd, wait, he'd, he'd, he'd get up and say, and, and say Lord, <clears throat> here's another day. And you know, you are sovereign. And you always do what is best. You never make any mistakes. You always do what is right. And for me, You've chosen that I'd be in this desert, in this wilderness for 40 years with all of this going on, and it wouldn't be my first choice. But God, you're, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you and follow you wholeheartedly. So here we see a second conviction, that God's actions are always right, and therefore, I can always trust him. The rest of the scriptures speak to this truth as well. Genesis 18, 25, will not the judge of all the earth do right? It's unthinkable, Job 20, 34, that God would do wrong. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. Even wildernesses. Wilderness experiences. Of the rest of the Israelites, it said they did not trust God to care for them. Rome, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 goes there and uh, unpacks a little bit, talks about how they got caught up in idolatry and how they tested God continually, uh, caught up in sexual sin. They grumbled and grumbled and grumbled all the time. And <laughs> it concludes God wasn't pleased with most of them. So I take it that was not Caleb, that he was trusting God. God was pleased with him. So 
what about our wilderness experiences that we may be in? Jesus in John 16.33 said, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have wildernesses, troubles, that seem like a maze, and how are we going to get out of this? But take heart, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And of course, Jesus himself is the ultimate example of what it meant to trust his father when he would say, Lord, if it's possible, but not my will, your will be done. Your will be done. In the wilderness of Gethsemane and the cross, Jesus trusted his Father. So we're to trust our God and our loving Father who knows the end from the beginning. Going through a pastoral change. Um, History says that you will feel sad and mourn. you will be mourning and there's a sense of needing to release. And what's going to be in the future? It can feel like a wilderness time, but it can be in the wilderness that uh, we're tested and we can also uh, demonstrate our true faith and wherewithal and trust God and that's what Caleb was doing. Yet I saw, I found a little prayer that goes like this. I praise and exalt and glorify you, my God, because everything you do is right and all your ways are just. Increase my trust in you. Might you embrace that today? So here's Caleb. Now the real exact context of this passage, he's down the road 40 years after the wilderness, another five years into the promised land. And where's he that now? He says, hey, I want to I go for what's next. Uh, the Lord helping me, you know, give me Hebron here. It's been promised to me, the Lord helping me. I'll drive him out, just like he said. He was 85 years old. I'm not there quite yet, but he sure got a lot more energy than I have. But what, what conviction did he have at that point to say, here I am in my life, and uh, there's still some more out there for me. What was his conviction at that point? I think it's captured in verse 10 again, where he says, the Lord has kept me alive for these 45 years. So what's, what's, he, what's his conviction? I would contend that he's reflecting back on God's faithfulness. And because God was faithful there, I can now trust him in terms of what's next. 
because he's God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he was faithful then, and I can remember this, and I can remember that, how he fed us and led us and cared for us and tested us in some ways and brought us through. And now this is next. I know that he's calling me to this Hebron experience, and he's going to help me then too, because he's a faithful, faithful God. And that's a truth throughout the scriptures as well. For the Lord is good and his faithfulness continues through all generations, the psalmist said. Philippians 1, for I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work will bring it to completion. So, as you were reminded earlier, this is what you're seeking to do now in this uh, part of your history. I go back. I was a district superintendent when uh, I got a call. Uh, I think it was from Gary Zacharias, who knew about a group of people uh, in this area that were maybe interested in starting a church. I came down. We had a nice meeting out someplace and <clears throat> a nice group of people. And that was the beginning of Washera Community Church 32, 33 years ago. Some of you remember that or you know that story. Uh, then you started meeting services and uh, you were in the, uh, what, senior, senior center? And then the tornado. <laughs> Some of you remember the tornado? Uh, did God help you during that time? Um, and then there was this Honda uh, dealership building. Anybody remember that? The faithfulness of God that we can reflect on from the past, and it feeds into where we are now and what is into the future. God is faithful, therefore I must act with confidence and go for what we know he's calling us towards. God is faithful. Raleigh, Washington. It's out of the military, no job, but he felt a call from God to go into the ministry and to begin preparing for that. And uh, through some miraculous events, he was able to uh, get in at the last minute to the greatest seminary in the world, uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, North Chicago, in uh, Deerfield, Illinois. And along the way, connected with some free church leaders, and he wound up planting a church in the inner city of Chicago in conjunction and partnership with uh, his co-author of this book, Len K. Ryan, from Circle Urban Ministries there in the desperate Austin community of the west side of Chicago. And the many times uh, uh, I heard Raleigh, he's given his testimony in various settings. 
He said, you know, I could have been so bitter of what the military had uh, given me, done to me. I could have been stuck and angry in that, but I knew God had something ahead that he was calling me to. And he reached many for Christ uh, through <clears throat> Rock of Our Salvation Evangelical Free Church in the Austin community. And from there, he went on to be on the staff of uh, Promise Keepers and spoke at some Promise Keeper events. And uh, God's used Raleigh to touch people around the world. There's a side story here. Not every story works out in this kind of way, but a lawyer took up his case, pursued it for seven or eight years, and finally the military relented and said, uh, an injustice was done to you, Raleigh, and uh, we're going to reinstate you and give you even, I think they gave him back pay and then full retirement, but you still owe us one day. And Raleigh talks about putting his old uniform on and getting uh, going through the gates of Fort Sheridan in Chicago there on the north side. And he put in his one last day. Uh, I would submit to you, Raleigh was following God wholeheartedly through the wilderness experience he had. How about us today? What do we believe about God and his word? And how does that come to bear? And we apply it now in terms of where you are individually, where you are corporately as Washera Community Church. Let me pray with you about that. Lord, thank you for this powerful testimony of someone like Caleb Raleigh, Washington. Lord, there's stories among all of us here of your goodness and your faithfulness and your um, the, the truth of your word and your promises. And Lord, we draw on that for what we're facing individually, what might feel like a wilderness experience, but you are Emmanuel. You are God with us in the midst of it. Lord, give us greater faith and greater trust. All for your glory. I pray for these dear people, Lord. May they walk closely with you through these days, this season, anticipating what is next. All for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.